0: We're, we're here, and today we are continuing our Missing Christmas series, and I, I'm telling you what, if there's one thing that I don't want to miss is Christmas. I mean, I love Christmas, and, and I know that there's a lot of like materialism that surrounds Christmas, but honestly, it doesn't distract me from the true meaning, because I'm just so in love with the message of Christmas and the, the joy that the holiday uh, the brings. It's, it's like literally the beginning of the greatest love story ever. And uh, that's just awesome um, in saying that. There's a segment of people that I want to talk about this morning that missed Christmas in the original one of Jesus' birth. And this significant group is, is mentioned almost in passing in Matthew's account of the story, and it is the religious leaders. So let's go to Matthew chapter 2 and verse 4. It describes the scene, and I will read it. It says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem near Jerusalem during the reign of King Herod. After Jesus' birth, a a group of spiritual priests from the east came to Jerusalem and inquired of the people. Where is the child who was born king of the Jewish people? We observe the star rising in the sky, and we've come to bow before him in worship. King Herod was shaken to the core when he heard this. Not only he, but all of Jerusalem was disturbed by why they heard the news. So he called a meeting of the Jewish ruling priests and religious scholars, demanding they tell him where the promised Messiah was prophesied to be born. He will be born in Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, they told him, because the prophecy states, and you, little Bethlehem, are not insignificant among the clans of Judah, for out of you will emerge the shepherd king of my people Israel. See, this is shocking. This is the theologians that they asked. This is the minds, the brains, the the religious elite of Israel. They knew the scripture well enough to quote Micah 5.2 which is what they quoted there, Micah 5.2, when they were asked the question, do you know where the Messiah is going to be born? They were like, oh, yeah, he will be born, blah, 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 blah. The Jewish people had been looking for the Messiah since Moses first prophesied that a great prophet would be coming back in Deuteronomy. They were waiting eagerly. I would imagine it had even intensified now and that they lived under Roman oppression. So the entire nation is longing for the coming. The destiny of Israel depends on it because he would be their deliverer, their Messiah, the anointed one. Uh, even the intensity of their hunger was proven in the ministry of John the Baptist. If you can remember that, people flocked to hear him preach. And he would, he would be the one that was, was sent to prepare the way and to preach the coming of the Messiah. Yet here were these theological experts, the guardians of spiritual truth, and they missed Christmas. They were busy doing the good work of the ministry. See, how many know that you can be um, a religious person and not even realize it? You know, you can can help in the nursery. You can... um, serve in, in, in distributing food, you can go on outreaches, you can um, be upstairs with the kids or help with the youth, and you could even maybe come to pre prayer. You could even do that. You could do all the right things but still not have the right heart. And this is what was happening here. They they did the rituals, but it, it, it localized so much in their head that it never quite Made it to their heart. And, and because of that, they literally missed the greatest moment to ever hit the earth. The religious people. It's really, really um, cool to be at someone's uh, like significant moment, right? Like, how, how many know that like a, a milestone or an accomplishment in someone's life is something awesome about not missing someone's first? or a big thing or or even a challenging situation a struggle about being present in a tough time here is jesus the messiah child entering the earth it's like his big debut <laughs> but their eyes were so blinded and their hearts kept them from seeing what was right in front of them they talked the talk but they missed the opportunity to walk the walk literally they knew he was coming. They even knew where he was supposed to be born. But in the stable that day, beside the manger, they were not there. They missed it. I don't even know how that's even possible. And why? Were they too busy doing the task? Not enough living the call? Were they too fulfilled in their own accomplishments that they didn't have enough dependence on God? I don't know. Were they too educated from their studies that they, there wasn't enough pursuit of relationship? Were they too confident in their cultural significance that they didn't have enough openness to something that was out of their scope. I wonder, I wonder if the religion they had, the rules they obeyed, the practices they just never missed was just a whole lot of distraction. If their religion made it happen. See, they lived in in Jerusalem, and uh, this was the hub of the religious activity in Israel. The temple was even there. Um, they, these people, they live, they breathe. their church, they were like faithful and true. You know, they went all the things, present all the, all the church events, and the, and and people would come from everywhere to make sacrifices here. Okay, so and and the priests and the religious leaders, they would they would be a part of this. And and currently, as you know, right now in the store in the story of Jesus' birth, the city is overrun because everyone's coming for the taxes. But I mean. If I'm going on a trip to pay my taxes and it's the, the, you know, the religious hub, the city, and I have an opportunity to make a sacrifice, I'm probably going to bring my sacrifice and make it while I'm there, right? Work smarter, not harder. <laughs> Efficiency people, you know, so I'm going to like bring my animal or whatever. I'm going to make my sacrifice. I'm going to pay my taxes. Oh, So then the priests are busy. These religious scholars, they're busy. They have people coming from here and people, and they want to be seen and they want to be known because they're elite and they're important. So they're just so busy in their religious rituals. You know, they're meeting with that person. They're connecting over here. They're networking here. They're so busy in their rituals that they miss the reality of what was happening they were so caught up in the externals of religion that they abandoned their heart, their heart for, of faith. They forgot about what they knew. They forgot about what they studied, about Micah 5.2. They knew it, but they didn't know it. And they found their religion satisfying. I think that's what's super sad. It, they were smart. They were schooled. They were respected, and they didn't really need saving. See, rituals and rules enable people to feel spiritual when they are not. Faithful religious activity can become a replacement for a genuine relationship with God. Does anyone know how long it would take you to walk six miles? Anyone? Two hours? Anyone longer than two hours? Anyone less than two hours? Like, yeah. I mean, it just really depends on a couple things. One, um, how long your legs are. <laughs> take me a little longer, unless I move them really fast, <laughs> which I could. Um, how in shape you are, um, how hot it is, <laughs> right? Uh, Uphill, downhill, flat, you know, the terrain, things like that. A couple hours. you could easily cover six miles in like a short afternoon. It's doable. From Jerusalem to Bethlehem, it was six miles. If you wanted to walk from Jerusalem to Bethlehem, where Jesus was born, you could start in the morning, you could be there in the afternoon, you could start right after lunch, you could be there before dinner easily. 2,000 years ago, there was not a lot going on there, you know, in terms of like things, it wasn't, it's a lot different today. Bethlehem was definitely a little town, <laughs> like the song says. It was home to about 200 residents. Because it was so close to Jerusalem, just that six miles, it made sense that all the hotels and inns were full when all the people were going to Jerusalem for the taxes. Um, because they are all coming in and out of Jerusalem, so it would be full. So Bethlehem would be the place that you stayed on your way to the big city right? So you spend the night in Bethlehem, and then the next morning you get up and you walk the rest of the six, six miles. You pay your taxes. You do your sacrifice. And, you know, you probably get a better rate, too. Am I right? You know, because it's not the city. So you probably, you know, do a little better there. Um, <laughs> so a few years back, uh, Kaylee, our children's pastor, and I, we were, we were, uh, our family, we were living in Toronto, and Kaylee was part of our church there. And there was a conference happening um, in New York. And so Kaylee and I got a great idea that we were going to go to this conference. There was um, really influential, powerful people there like Heidi Baker and Bill Johnson and uh, David Hogan, if you're familiar with him. And there's just like amazing people. And we wanted to go. So it was like a, I think, eight hour drive to where we were going to go in New York. So we went there and we were going to do the conference. And then for one night, we were going to go into the city, to New York City. Right? Because we were right there. It was like we weren't in the city for the conference, we were outside the city. And so we were going to go in the city for one night. And uh, so Kaylee was sitting on our couch one night, and it's late like, I don't know, I feel like it was like 1130 or something like that. She's on her phone, and she's going to make a hotel reservation for New York City. And we were like, okay, let's be clear. We want to stay like right in the hub of the city because like, we don't want to be driving back and forth, finding parking, all that New York City. Like that's not what you do there. Okay. So we just want to go park the car. And then for the 24 hours that we're going to be there, just not move the car. So like Times Square location, Central Park, something like that, where we could just do the walking. So few minutes later, Kaylee's like, I got it. It's booked. And it's such a good rate. It's like so because it's expensive in New York City. She's like, it's such a good rate. Wow. I can't believe the deal I got. We're like, wow, that's really interesting. Like I'd been doing a lot of research and like she told me the deal. I'm like, that's cool. But like shocking. Um, She gets her confirmation in her email. Um, She didn't book in New York City. She booked in Parsnippany, New York. Parsnipany. Okay, first of all, what is that? Parsnipany. Okay. Secondly, the where we stay where we went to the conference was called Whippany. <laughs> So we're going to go from Whippany to Parsnippany? Like, really? Like, no. And, okay, on a good day, it was a 45-minute drive from Parsnippany to New York City. So I'm like, we're not doing that. So, I mean, it was a whole thing. She got a really good rate, right, because she was outside the city. But I'm like, you need to cancel that. We're not doing that. Anyway, that's just for your own information. Um, Nothing more than that. But six miles, (laughs) six miles from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. It's not very far, yet the religious leaders didn't go. So close. They knew the Messiah was going to be born because of Micah 5-2. Why didn't they go? The shepherds went. I mean, they left their jobs with the sheep (laughs) to go. The wise men went. They barely knew anything about the baby king, yet they came so far and then they gave so much. The teachers of the law knew so much, were so close, and did so little. When Herod asked, they knew. 700 years ago it had been prophesied by the prophet Micah, and they knew. They knew it by heart. They didn't even have to look it up. They didn't have to pull out their books. Or And even two years later with the wise men, two years later, so the baby is born, and then, you know, a lot of people don't go to see just a handful we know from the story. And then they, you'd think, uh, you know, in the span of two years, there would be some time to think about it, right? Like, oh, okay, that was a fail. Should have been there. You know, I knew the story, you know, and in, in that two years, you'd think that some of these religious leaders and the people would be like, I should have went, I missed it. Well, I can go now. Two years later, the wise men come. Two years later. Strangers show up in the town. They're claiming to have seen a star in the east, and they're claiming they need to find this baby who was born king of the Jews. And I wonder if this was what it went like. Wow, is this still happening? <laughs> you know, when the religious leaders hear, oh, the wise men are here, these these people, these strange people, this is still, really, we. you guys are still on this, <laughs> the baby. Like, How do we even know they're for real? Like, who sent you guys anyway? Where did you come from? A star led you here? What kind of new agey, super nature worshiper, strange looking, crazy people are you anyway? You know, kind of deal. Well, I can't see the star. Where's the star? Show me the star. Point to the star. They look different, the wise men. They talk different. They dress different. Everything about them screams, we're not from around here. The town is in uproar. And Herod is losing his mind. <laughs> when Craig and I uh, were in, in college and um, we just started dating, he we went to his hometown of Grand Cash to visit a few times and we were engaged. And, and uh, it was a town of 4,000 people uh, at most, I guess. And um, it was one of those towns that if you go and you're not from there, people know. I mean, I'm like walking down this, we're walking down the street and they're driving in the cars and they're like, or like they slow down or like, like you can see them like looking from and I'm just like, wow, everyone's staring at me. Craig, he's like, it's because they recognize you're not from around here. So this is what was happening. I'm sure with the wise men, that's they're like, they're not from around here. They're strange looking. They talk different. They're claiming all these things. See, it can be easy to discount people who aren't like us. I'm not wasting my time on the energy on these strangers. And this was the religious leaders as, as they were faced again two years later with, with, with this, these questions about the baby. Two years to think about that they missed it. Two years to decide, I got time now. <laughs> two years. And again, the, their background bred their arrogance, the root of which was pride. Pride. They didn't take the moment again after two years to go find the baby. John Calvin, in his commentary on this passage, says it's truly an instance of base sluggishness that not one of the Jews offers himself as an escort to these foreigners, the wise men, to go and see the king who had been promised to their own nation. See, should it really matter who shows us the way as long in the end we find it? I can learn something from everyone, everyone. It doesn't matter the background. It doesn't matter their belief system. It doesn't matter their age. It doesn't matter their gender. It doesn't matter where they're from. I can learn something from everyone if I will take the time to listen. See, the minute I discount someone because I don't think they're the type of person that I could learn from is the minute I stunt my own growth. They were six miles. And again, they missed it. See, we could end right now and we could um, head to Costco and Santee and we could walk it. Six miles. Now, that sounds, I know to you guys, you're like, whoa, that sounds far. You just said six miles wasn't that very long and only take a couple hours. And now when we're talking about from here, you know, at our church in La Mesa to Santee, Costco, that sounds far. But their context was walking. They walked everywhere. So if you want to bring it into our context of driving, 10 minutes. 10-minute drive. Would you take it? Or would you be like, man, I have a few things to do. Six miles was a joke. See, as I, as I read Matthew 2, something stands out to me, a few things. But everybody involved had the same basic information. They all knew the baby had been born in Bethlehem. They all knew who the baby was. Herod knew, tried to kill him. The scribes knew the law. Religious law people ignored him. The wise men knew and worshipped him. The Bible scholars knew the answer to the question. Oh, yeah, I know. He was there. But, but their knowledge got in their own way. Their rituals had already fulfilled them. Their background set them apart. Their arrogance stopped them. This could be us if we're not careful. See, we could have people pointing, this is the way. This is the way. We might even be the people pointing. <laughs> this is the way. Come. This is the way. But if we're not going there, we're missing it. So what has to change? Because I feel like something does. Matthew seven twenty one says this. It's not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom. But only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you, away from me, you evil doers. It's harsh. We can know all there is to know and we can do all there is to do and still miss the only thing we really needed to find. Religion is a self-inflicted trap. Any religious task, whether in word or deed, that doesn't lead you closer to Jesus, maybe, just maybe, is leading you further away from him. So what has to change? I don't want to miss Christmas. I don't want to miss Christmas. And what I mean by Christmas is the Christ. What he came to earth to do. What he came to earth to bring out of me. I don't want to miss Christmas. Let's stand as I conclude. So what are we willing to do to be where we need to be? I'm gonna close with a couple stories. A few years back, um, I went to speak at a uh, youth camp around Thanksgiving weekend in Canada. So I flew out from from here, from San Diego, and I went and I was speaking um, at a youth camp And then I get word while I'm there that our daughter, Faith, wasn't doing so well. And she was losing proteins fast. And she needed to get a protein infusion. Well, this was just rocking my world because I'm really far away. And it's winter there. uh, So it's difficult traveling. Um, Craig was going to have to take her in to get this protein infusion. We didn't know how it was going to react. Would she have an allergic reaction? It was the first time. I'm telling you what. How many know when you want to be somewhere when it's your baby, (laughs) you will move heaven and earth to get there? Well, through a lot of negotiation, a lot of fight, a lot of tears, a lot of prayer, (laughs) mostly prayer, and a lot of help. I did make it back, but it took, I mean, it took a lot. I mean, I fought my way through at that desk <laughs> in that airline. I ended up on a different airline and a different gate with a different uh, grouping all together, and I, didn't even, I couldn't even make it to San Diego. I had to go to L.A., and I didn't get in until like midnight in L.A., and then Juan and Shelby had to drive from here up there to get me at midnight and then bring me back just so we could show up at 3 a.m. so I could be with my daughter. What are we willing to do to be where we need to be? Last week... Josiah. He's here on Sunday uh, to lead worship for us, and then he's, he's set to go back to, to Reading, to back to school. Um, I come down the stairs at 4 a.m. as Craig is, I assumed, ready to take him to the airport, and they're sitting there. I'm like, what's going on? They're like, Josiah's like, my flight got canceled in the middle of the night. He's already late for school. You know, he, He'd already sacrificed to be with us and, and he has to get back to school. We are like, what are we going to do? We get up at 4 a.m. We are on the phone with the airlines. We are trying to figure it out. They can't book, they can't get him out for another day or so. It's just, it's just mess. And then we end up finding a flight and we have to cancel one flight. And then I have to drive to Burbank to get him there. <laughs> so there's all this happening. But he needed to be there because he, was, he had a requirement and um, a commitment as a worship leader up there the next day, what are we willing to do to be where we need to be for what God's called us to? See, it's not about being perfect all the time or getting all the details, all the checks in the boxes, but it's about being present for what God's called you and faithful to that. So if that's, if, 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 if that's you and you're like, you know what, I've been doing it a little bit wrong sometimes. Sometimes I've been more caught up in the ritual than the relationship, and I don't want to miss it anymore, and I really do want to pursue. I'm going to pray for us right now as we act. Father, I just thank you for everyone here and listening. I thank you that you sent Jesus I thank you that Jesus came, that he was willing to go and be so that we could be all that we are called to be. I pray today that as we're standing and hearing the words of those that miss Christmas or almost miss Christmas, that that we would be uh, convicted towards righteousness, convicted towards pursuit of you, convicted towards following you no matter what the cost, that we would be willing to change Things in order to adjust our lives to be pleasing to you and faithful to the call on our lives. That we wouldn't miss Christmas and that we would be the reason that others don't miss it as well. Let us be a voice. Let us be impacting in our cities and our workplaces as you've called us to be. In your name. Amen.